I really feel that honestly, this whole empowerment movement is detrimental to marriage because you're flipping the roles that you weren't designed to have. And it's it's very natural for us as women because we are those protectors often and are those defenders of truth and love. And I think mm. Christ knew that when he yeah. created us. <laughs> um, you are still an empowering woman by empowering your man. That whole movement is kind of narcissistic in my opinion, because if it's on the man and he's fully taking authority and leadership, that's wrong. And if it's flopped over to the woman and she's taking full authority and leadership, that's wrong. You both have to mutually listen to the other in order to make your marriage work. And Mm -hmm. so I love that you talked about that because it is such an important topic for women to understand that they have a voice, they need to be able to be heard, but also not doing it to a point where they're taking control of every situation. Hello, beautiful people. It's your host, Danielle Mason, bringing you authentic conversation, transparency around real life experiences, and actionable tips to create your next breakthrough today. Think of this as your home away from home healing oasis where we overshare and overcome obstacles together. Pull up a seat, come as you are, and be ready to leave feeling challenged to reflect, encouraged to take action, and inspired to change. This is the Blackouts to Breakthroughs podcast. Welcome to the Blackouts to Breakthroughs podcast. This is your host, Danielle Mason, and I'm with a good friend of mine, Emma Jarbo, and we have such an exciting topic to talk about today. I'm literally so excited to talk about this. I was posting, you know, I'd just be ranting sometimes on Instagram and posting some things about what it means to have a God-fearing man, having a man surrendered to the Lord's heart and how it truly impacts not just your marriage, but like who you are. It impacts your life as as a wife, as a woman. And me and Emma, we'll just be like talking back and forth. It's like, yes, I wish people, more people would know about this. It's so true. And I was like, girl, we need to hop on the mic. We need to talk about this. <laughs> and Emma and I met, we met through our life coaching certification. And you amazed me first off because I didn't realize how young you were pursuing life coaching. And then also I knew you were married and I was like, okay, wait, you sound so wise for your age. And I think a big part of it, I mean, you can totally talk about this, but like a big part of it being your background and you walking with the Lord for most of your life. But I want to hear about your relationship history because like how old were you whenever you got married? So I was actually 19 going on 20. So I was, yeah, I was 19 when I got married then. That's so insane to me. Like I wasn't even thinking about marriage, but it was because I experienced heartbreak. I was like, yeah, no, guys suck. You know, in that whole stage of, of life. But what was your relationship history like? Was he your only partner? Just talk to me a little bit about your background there. Yeah, so I actually had one boyfriend before I met my husband and we met in 2020. So I dated him for about three weeks before I found out he was just like not the one for me. It was just really short lived. So yeah, he was really my only boyfriend before my husband. I just don't really like to count it. (laughs) Yeah, we were just we were similar. Our personalities were completely different. And I just did not have any peace in that relationship whatsoever. So it was like I said, very short lived that's so funny you're like eh, don't even want to count it but <laughs> so you knowing that was it hard for you to like let it go I mean three weeks isn't you know that long but I'm sure people listening like if you clicked on this episode you're either maybe questioning your relationship or you're somebody who is looking for you know your spouse to come or just trying to figure out what what type of man you want 
and what type of woman to become to really attract that type of man. So saying maybe having that experience of being in that relationship that were, you were like, yeah, I don't really think this is right. What were some indicators of that? Yeah. So I think first and foremost was that he wasn't a very strong Christian. Um, I don't know where he's at now, but like he was not a strong Christian when we, even before I dated him and I still went into the relationship. And I felt like there were a lot of areas where I had to kind of teach him about the Bible and he didn't really know his stance on areas. And like, I was a pastor's kid. So I grew up in the church, like you said earlier, like I knew a lot and I wanted someone who was going to be able to spiritually lead us. And I still got into that relationship, despite the fact that my parents also were not (laughs) on board with it. And yeah, so those were some of the indicators for me. That was the first one. I would say some of the other ones were that marriage was brought up from him like week two about how he was going to want to put a ring on it and all these things. And I was just not there at all. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So he was like, that was a really big thing to me. (laughs) Outside of that, I'd say I felt like there was a little bit of like, I want to say a little bit of self-centeredness as well of just feeling like a lot of things are revolved around him versus our relationship as a whole. And so it was difficult to feel like I could be led by someone who wasn't really looking out maybe for my own interests or for us as a couple and more for themselves. So those were just like probably the big three things that were really good indications that this was not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Now, what you said, that is really important. I kind of want you to elaborate even more on the, you picked up on the self-centeredness. And I think many times when we're in relationships, we kind of like brush that off. Or I know I did in the past. And it was like, that's where these fights would come up and huge arguments and things, especially when you you both have that self-centeredness. Because let's be honest, we can be very self-centered people, you know, things about us. And so that's why I truly believe having a man that's surrendered over to the Lord helps in that and you being surrendered to the Lord, because it Mm -hmm. takes two and to realize, okay, I can be self-centered at times and what it actually means to be in a relationship. You can speak from like your relationship experience or kind of giving that to women who maybe you're kind of feeling yeah, I feel like my my man's self-centered and I don't really know how to navigate that or what to pick up on. Like, what would you say? Yeah, for me, I felt like there wasn't a huge interest in me. Like he was interested in my personality and who I was, but he wasn't interested in my life. And so a lot of conversations we would have would be kind of more about him, his, you know, hobbies, his enjoyments. And, and that would last a long time. We had a FaceTime where he went through all of his photos and from I don't even know how many years back just to show me his whole life and it lasted like two hours and we didn't talk about me once and that was kind of a good indicator as well to me to go whoa okay um (laughs) yeah I'm clearly not even really in this relationship this is just more for him Mm. so that was a really big thing to me um I also just noticed the way he dealt with his family it was again, just a lot of arguing. And it felt like even in that respect, it was self-centered, not willing to admit maybe when he was wrong or just kind of those little tendencies that I picked up on that I was like, I don't want to be in a household where it's like this, you know, personally with my marriage or my spouse. And they may be saying now that they would never treat me like that or yell at me or do anything, but like they're going to at some Um, point. That's just, it's going to wear off. (laughs) Yeah. So those are some big things, like the way you treat your family, 
to me, that can be either selfish or sacrificial. And it Mm -hmm. felt very selfish. And so I started to see that characteristic. And again, I don't know where he's at now. So if he's hearing this, like (laughs) I'm not trying to put anyone down, but these were some things to me that I want other women to pick up on as well to know that that's not what you want to be looking for in a godly guy. Yeah, definitely. And that's awesome that you were able to pick up on that at such a young age because dude, I'm just thinking about me at that (laughs) age. Did you always have the lens of, would this be the man that I want to marry? I would say yes and no. I mean, I was 17 when I got into that relationship. So I was in high school. We met briefly. We had a class together and that's how I knew him. Um, We had mutual friends, but I kind of actually got into that more and more because I had never dated and kind of was just interested in it. And I really shouldn't have done it in the first place. But I would say yes. I had a Sunday school teacher when I was young and she would always talk about like, kind of knowing what to look for. Like literally I'm talking eighth grade. She'd be like, don't just go with guys that flatter you. They're going to say all these compliments. They're going to do all these things. And like, here's what to look for. And on top of that, my family was very grounded. My mom got married at 17 to my dad. wow! And so they were married together for 23 years until he passed away. So like they had a great marriage. So I kind of grew up having those little building blocks, which I think a lot of women miss in relationships. They just don't get that foundation. Oh my gosh. It makes such a huge difference because you mimic what you see. Yeah. Oh, so awesome that you had that foundation and had people speaking into you. So I think an important piece here is having people that you can look around that are in healthy marriages and seeing what you can harvest from them, picking up on things that you would want for your marriage. Because how how important, Emma, would you say <laughs> how important marriage is? But like, I guess like what percentage of marriage plays into your everyday life? A hundred percent. Right. It's probably one of the most important decisions right after giving my life to Christ of the person that I married because I look at Jamar and I'm like dude I'm so grateful that you're my husband because I just think back to past relationships and it's like nobody compares and it's because they weren't following the Lord neither one of us were And it's Mm -hmm. so hard to have a relationship when God isn't the center because he's the creator of marriage. So he knows how to teach us to walk it out. What? Yeah, I love that. I think, sorry, not to cut you off, but um, my dad always had this thing that he would talk about for marriage because they actually did marriage counseling as well. And he, he looked at it like a triangle, like God's at the top and then the two of you are at the bottom. And as you have, you know, that love for God, that's going to grow your love towards each other. And so he would always talk about like how that flows through your relationship, you know, what I mean, having God at the center. And so many people want to get with a spouse who isn't godly and you're missing that one side of them following God, you know, and so your love might be growing for them, but they're not growing any godly love for you. And it's just going to collapse at some point. Like it just can't sustain itself, you know? So I think that's awesome what you just said. I think that's really true and foundational for people, especially Christian women to understand in relationships. Yes. It's so huge. I know. you. Okay. So the important thing that you said in the beginning was having a man that can lead you spiritually. How did you know Christian could be that man for you? Yeah. So Number one, I mean, and this isn't a requirement, but he, of course, grew up as a Christian as well. Um, So he had that foundation. He also went to a private school that was Christian. So he got a really strong foundation there. And then now when I met him, he was in a Christian college as well, and he's still there. And I think some of the big things for me, and this kind of ties into it, was his teachability and his maturity. Because you can have a Christian guy who is either one, not willing to continue growing in his relationship and stay stagnant in where he's at. And then you have a Christian guy that may not be where he's quite needs to be, 
spiritually, maybe to your level, but he's willing to grow and he's actively seeking that out. And I think that's the really the biggest factor there is that it's not about needing to be perfectly spiritually mature where you're at or Mm. to that level necessarily, but it needs to be, you know, they're going in that direction and they understand that when they are in that position to lead you, that they are going to have to be that spiritual leader and what that looks like. Yes. What you said is so good because you don't want to look at somebody and expect them to be perfect. And I think that's one thing that I, that I learned, especially in my first year of marriage, I couldn't expect Jamar to be perfect because he'll never be perfect and I'll never be perfect. And it's hard enough for two imperfect people to come together and to mesh (laughs) their lives together and to do life together. It's literally impossible to do it without God. It's, it's impossible. That triangle that you mentioned earlier, that's what we learned in premarital as well. The reason that works is because God is love and this the worldly love that you know doesn't even compare to to God's love and to his foundation of what love is and his definition of love love is patient love is kind first Corinthians 13 it's that is what true love is and whenever you don't have that foundation you're not living on that principle your love can can waver and it can falter and it's like okay well you did something that I that I didn't like so I'm gonna do this and it's mm-hmm. the more of like like a petty type love. It's like a, <laughs> what can you do for me versus let me love you even in your weakness and even in your flaws and let me speak life into you because I know that's what Je- how Jesus would treat you. Right. It's a sacrificial kind of love, which is like you said, not what the world understands as love. I think for especially Christian women, we often take a worldly definition of love into our marriage. And we don't realize that relationships are not centered around one or the other person. It's centered around God, like you said. And so God's love, his definition is sacrifice, you know, and it seems kind of counterintuitive, but like, that's just ultimately how it should be. And so that's, that's, what's going to keep you on track for the rest of your life and be able to sustain your marriage. Because like you said, when they're weak, not that you're God, but you're able to be strong for them and really just say, look, I make mistakes too. I'm a broken human being saved by God's grace. And so are you. And so I can extend forgiveness and grace to you. We can move forward together, you know, versus that petty love where you're like, you messed up and I don't even know if I love you anymore. (laughs) It's like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. I forgot to love the dishwasher. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Cause not going to lie in marriage, you will, I I swear I, I say this too. It's marriage makes you, if you're both seeking the Lord, marriage makes you a better follower of Christ because it makes you more like Jesus because you have to think twice about what you're about to do or what you're about to say. And I know I definitely don't get it perfect every single time, but I want you to, I want you to share what you've noticed because our instinct to react to something that we didn't like or something that annoyed us, irritated us that the other person did like in my past, really, it would be like, okay, I feel this way. I'm going to react this way and I'm going to get what I want. If you don't treat me this way, like I can find something better. You know what I mean? That was my mindset then. But how would you describe responding to a situation with grace and with love and with forgiveness? How have you seen that play out in your relationship? Yeah, honestly, 
it's been something just like that God's growing both of us in that area, but it has been so beautiful. I know when we did premarital counseling, she was like, we took a test to see how compatible we were just to, you know, make sure that this was the right, you know, decision. And she Uh was like, I've never seen someone's conflict resolution be so high before. And that was such an affirming thing to us going into a relationship. And it really has, like, we've had arguments. We're not people who like yell or anything like that in our arguments, but we've definitely gotten into heated arguments. But I would say the ones that have been so beautiful have been the ones where one of us messes up. And, you know, sometimes we'll go to opposite rooms and we're like, we don't want to talk to each other. And it doesn't take long before the other person comes and apologizes one or the other or extends grace and says, you know, I'm sorry I reacted that way, like you said. And, you know, like, I know you're having a tough day or whatever, even like in the middle of arguments, like I'll be so typically I'm the emotional one. (laughs) He's very logical (laughs) and he just stays very calm. And we'll be having an emotional conversation because I brought it up and he'll be talking logically and I'll start to step back and I have to say, okay, Emma, is he right? And I will just (laughs) say in the middle of conversation, I'll go, you know, I I see where you're coming from. I think you're right. You know, because I just, it's not worth the the fight to just keep going, dragging something on just to prove a point that I know is not going to be proven at this point. <laughs> it's already been disproved. So that has been a game changer in our marriage for sure. And not letting things just build up. Yeah, that takes humility. It takes humility and it also takes, yeah. <laughs> well, this kind of goes into it, humility and self-awareness and realizing, you know, it's so funny, <laughs> something that I like to do, I like for Jamar and I to do like activities and stuff to see what our value, whenever we were doing the values yes. things and things <laughs> like that, what our needs are, we were doing that together. I was like, let's take this. And one of my, I think it was a need. One of mine was to be right. <laughs> <laughs> and we just both started laughing because, you know, <laughs> if I'm being honest, I have really felt that. And I don't know, it was like this need to just be right. And whenever I'm not right, or whenever I get told no, something mm-hmm. just happens inside of me it's like mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so what you just said it does take that humility and that surrender and release you know it's okay to not be right like I don't have to be right in right. this like what's more important is it my pride or is it my marriage what do I value more and yeah. with you just saying that your conflict resolution was so high I want to know more because I feel like we can <laughs> we can learn from that we can all learn from that <laughs> what do you have for us there yeah so communication is really important to me and I'm not the best communicator by any means at all times but I think for Christian and I like he is more quiet and I'm more talkative but in our conversation we let we try to let the other person speak now that's not again 100% (laughs) doesn't always happen but when one's talking we try to be quiet and calm and just go into something very calm like don't raise our voices and again just let that person get their thought out and then I just sit and reflect on like is what they're saying true is it right? Like that Bible verse that I'm blanking on the actual passage, but it talks about what is true, you know, what's right, what's pure, like think on those things. And I kind of do try to sit back and do some reflecting. And I would say both of us do that when the other's talking. And that has led to compromise and being able to say, this is the way we're going to go. Or it has led to, oh, we need to actually come up with some more ideas in the future as to what we want to do about this. So it doesn't keep happening. And I think those have been really beautiful. And and even expressing, I think, conflict resolution, expressing your needs in the argument. There's been so many times where I haven't felt like he's responded the way that I'm needing to. Like if I'm feeling emotional and he's just trying to give me logic, I can get really angry. (laughs) And so I'm like, no, I need you to like affirm me right now. Like I need you to understand that I'm hurt. 
I know that what I'm feeling is not right, but I'm hurt, you know, and that has been huge in our relationship and him understanding how to work with me. And again, just kind of deflating that argument quicker. So good. What you just said. I feel like if you're listening, you weren't really tuning in, rewind and listen to that again, (laughs) because I can attest to that. I had a lot to work on before I got married and Jamar really exposed my pride because I thought I was like the perfect girl, you know, but he was like, girl, you're very prideful and this isn't going to work if you continue being prideful. And so I was like, huh, I've never had somebody tell me that before, much less a man Mm -hmm. tell me that. So what you just said has been so huge in our marriage too of pausing and actually listening to what the other person is saying and not wanting to respond, you know, like hurrying to respond and get your point out. And that's something that I'm personally working on in this season because I, I, I tend to want to explain myself and explain what I meant or like what I didn't mean. <laughs> and I don't, you know, mean for you to take it the wrong way. But what you just said of expressing what you need in the conversation is so important. And it's, it's something simple that I feel many people do not do because maybe you haven't learned how to do it or you don't know your needs in the first place that's also a big issue I see too is that Mm. women get into relationships and they don't know what they need and then they get with men that don't know how to cope with those needs or don't even offer those needs to begin with and it's like how did you get yourself here but it's it's just it's easy to do if you don't you have to like you said have that self-realization and that self-awareness to know what are my needs and who's going to be able to at least learn and grow and those needs and help me to fill those Yes. Oh my gosh. This goes back <laughs> to the importance of picking the right person because you have to choose somebody that can meet your needs and that's willing to sacrifice and to meet your needs. And then you have to also confirm and say, you know what, I'm willing to sacrifice to meet your needs. Like I can meet your needs. And this is why I totally would recommend premarital before even going into engagement or anything, because you talk about those things, you talk about weaknesses in the other person and then you see the the differences and how they can be in conflict with each other and also how they can be strengths in your marriage as you guys are moving as a unit so okay kind of want to back up how would you tell a woman saying like okay I'm there Emma I do not know what I need here how would you help a woman find what they need or start that process Mm, I feel like that's a tough one because If you're not self-aware of yourself to know what you need, it can be difficult finding that. But I would say tuning into yourself throughout the day, throughout the weeks, months, whatever that looks like, and saying, what are some things that I feel like are really key to me being not a happy person because it's not all about happy, but like a person who's fulfilled in Christ first and then having those needs like what does that look like and I know that there's some ways to I'm sure there's like activities and exercises you can do to find that but I mean and it's it's not even just as simple as being like I'm a physical touch person so I knew I needed someone who was going to be willing to be very physical touch with me and not just you know oh get off me I don't ever want (laughs) to hold hands or whatever (laughs) but it goes deeper than that too you know Mm -hmm. like I needed someone who could listen like that was a huge thing for me and like I've been through loss I've been through grief and if I didn't have someone who was emotionally intelligent Um, Mm -hmm. And not just intelligent and book smarts and spiritually, but also someone who was emotionally able to, you know, work with me and listen to me and hold me in those times. Um, Mm -hmm. I know women always joke about, oh, I love a man who's not, you know, emotionally available, but like, do not do that disservice to yourself. (laughs) 
please for the good of humankind like if he's emotionally unavailable you need to run in the other direction in my opinion who even <laughs> says that that's a that's a thing now yes <laughs> oh my gosh yes unfortunately it makes me cringe every time because i don't know why you would want that but and you know what that that just stems from a place of pain and hurt you know women who are saying that they're hurt they're hurt in past relationships and they are scared of commitment and they're scared of love they're scared of being loved even right. though we all know that something deep down that every single person desires everybody wants to feel love and to be loved it does first stem from your relationship with Christ because if it's hard for you to receive God's love something that's free something that's non-judgmental something that he has done the biggest deed of all of showing his love for you Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard for you to really accept true love pure love from somebody else yeah. And I would even say that phrase would even stem from you not loving yourself. Because whenever I was quote unquote dating, I wouldn't even call it dating, but <laughs> just doing things. I didn't want something serious because I labeled myself. And that's what I would say. It was a label of I'm emotionally unavailable, but you're doing things to really hurt yourself emotionally. It like doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's so flip flop. It's so and- flipped. <laughs> And we do these things though in relationships, just like we we flip things. And then we wonder why mm-hmm. we get ourselves hurt too. And I think the emotionally unavailable aspect is attractive to women because I know I talk to a lot of people who, you know, the hot guy is the one that's not, he's all into himself. And so everyone wants that, um, but he's not emotionally available. And so I think people get this idea in their minds that either one, that person's going to be stimulating and exciting if they're not emotionally unavailable mm. because you're going to be chasing after them and that feels good for a time. Or two, you have the mindset that all the good, attractive guys are gone. And so you have no choice but to settle for the emotionally unavailable and narcissistic men. And that's just Mm. not true either. Like we've sold ourselves into a lie and -hmm. then we sell other women into lies. So I think that's probably a huge, those two factors are probably huge in women's minds when they're chasing after these men. That's so good, Emma, because it's so true. (laughs) I literally, me and Jamar, we talk about it all the time. It's like, I'm so glad I'm not in the dating world anymore. (laughs) It's scary out there. <laughs> Dude, it is. I'm like, I'm so sorry if you're in the dating world, but no, like God's going to bring you who you're meant to be with. You just yes. setting your eyes on him for sure. I want to, I guess, pivot a little bit and talk about, I mean, we've mentioned this humility in marriage and I do want to touch on what this submission as a wife means and how would you describe it? I know for me, it was a bit of a battle of really understanding what it meant and what God meant from it, but Jamar made it not something so complicated. If Mm. that makes sense, like you could have a man, and this is kind of common, actually, a man using the word against you of you're supposed to submit to me as my wife and like using it in a controlling way versus the actual meaning of it and allowing the wife to submit in a way that we do submit to Christ because of his love. So how would you describe your journey as submitting as a wife and your understanding of it? Yeah, so I think there's a couple things to note with submission. And I've actually come across some new information recently, which has been super eye-opening that I'm excited to share. But (laughs) the first thing I want to talk about is going back to that sacrificial love 
in a marriage, God talks about how the husband is supposed to love his wife the way that Christ loves the church. And the way Christ has loved the church has been sacrificial all around. So I just want to throw out this idea of like the man's always setting his foot down, being the only decision maker, because ultimately that's not how God has ever called leaders in the Bible. Like there's been times where you do have to be assertive and you have to go for what God has called you to do. Um, and the man does have that authority to do that. But if your whole marriage is ruled by mm. him being the only decision maker and never listening to you, then that's really not that sacrificial leadership that he's supposed to be portraying. Um, and the second thing I want to bring up, which is the new enlightenment that I got from a friend recently was in Genesis 2.18, it talks about how it's not good for man to be alone and how God's going to make a helper for him. And a friend of mine who's done some more studies, she's a little bit older than I am. And she was talking to me about that word helper in that verse. It comes from the Hebrew word ezer and it means help meet, but there's a couple definitions for it. It's like protector, defender, just all these different words. And so God created us to be a helper for our husbands, to be the protectors, the defenders, and it's funny because that's only used twice for women. And it's used like three times for Israel when they're asking other nations to come to their help. But God uses it for himself like 16 times, I believe, roughly in the Old Testament when he's saying he's our helper. And so I think it's such a beautiful gift that God chose to use that word for himself and then actually use it as a word to describe our relationship with our husband. I just think that's like, yeah. it was mind blowing for me. I was like, oh my gosh, like God gave this to us as a gift. And it wasn't meant to be this small word of like, mm -hmm. oh, you're this little helper, you know, hold the flashlight when he's doing work and you do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you're here to protect him and defend him. And that means defending his role. And that means helping him see areas that he's not seeing so that he can make mm -hmm. a wise leadership decision. So good, Emma. So good because, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it pains me to see some women kind of lose their voice and lose themselves in their marriage because their husband isn't leading as Christ has called him to lead. So how would you describe your role as a helper of being that defender, like tactically in your marriage? What would be some things that you would do to be that helper? Yeah. So for me, I feel like personally, like I'm a huge protector of people I love. I've always been like that. I'm very proactive, which again, that word is very assertive, like God use it in assertive way. So I would say in our marriage personally, it's a lot of times bringing up things that he's not seeing, right? Here's boundaries that have been crossed, or here's like, I don't know, just some information that you might not have picked up on in this situation that you might want to have moving forward to make a decision, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then just discussing together, like we bounce ideas off of each other, and it's more of a mutual respect. And if it ever came to the, the point of like, we had to make a decision, and it was, you know, we couldn't come to an agreement, then ultimately, he has the ability to say, this is what we're going to do as the leader. But I would say there's actually very minimal times that that happens because he's so willing to hear my perspective and I'm willing to hear his. And we most time, like 99% of the time come to a mutual agreement and move forward. And if we don't, then we're like, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. If we have time to make a decision, we just kind of reassess it later on. But I would say that's probably been how I have been a helper to him. And then just also helping him when he falls down. That's also what it means, like coming alongside of someone. And when he feels crushed, when he feels 
discouraged, building him back up and him doing the same for me, but just allowing him to be a strong leader and empowering him to be one when he doesn't even feel like it. This is so good because, you know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about also the opposite. And the opposite is what society portrays as women, you know, taking their power back and this independent woman, like, doesn't need a man and put your man in place and all these things. And it's so toxic because with you understanding your role, the beautiful role as a helper, you have so much ability to inspire your man to become the person that God created him to be. Mm. And, you know, there's a reason that it wasn't just Adam in the garden. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And when you were saying you're, you help your husband, Christian, through sharing things that he may not be seeing, again, we're imperfect beings. How can we see all areas? And how can we, when we've grown up in this certain mindset, how are we able to see different perspectives if we don't have somebody there to help us see that. And that's why I I truly like, I value marriage so much and just the relationship that Jamar and I have, because it's like, we're partners and we're truly partners. We're truly doing life together. And it's not like this competition. It's not a, um, you do for me because I deserve it. It's truly this beautiful partnership and it's we're doing life together. He doesn't feel like he has to like control me or he has to be assertive and to be in power, but he he values my opinion. And I would even say if you're doubting that your voice has meaning, ask yourself, well, I don't want to really speak this generally because it may not be true for all men, but like you're so valuable, even apart from what mm-hmm. the man says, you're so valuable in God's eyes and you literally have such a beautiful purpose here and having a man that sees that in you and sees the gifts that God has given you and speaks that life into you and washes you with his words is so powerful for you as well. And so when the man can see you in your role as this helper for him, he's going to want to empower you in that role. Ultimately, it's just this beautiful partnership that God designed. And I just, I hate so much that society has just totally flipped it around and made women feel like they have to be so masculine. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that is so true. I think that has a lot of knowledge and wisdom behind it too. And I'm glad that you've been able to use that discernment to see what is happening in society. And so I really feel that honestly, this whole empowerment movement, especially when it comes to marriage is detrimental to marriage because you're, you're flipping the roles that you weren't designed to have. And it's, it's very natural for us as women, because we are those protectors often and are those defenders of truth and love and, you know, all of those things. It's very easy for us to lead And I think Christ Mm. knew that when he created us, Um, like, honestly, because every woman I talked to, it would be easier for her to lead the marriage. Um, It just (laughs) is. And it's not because anyone's doing a bad job. It's just we like that Mm. aspect of wanting to be right. And we do have a strong desire to do the right things. And so being able to, again, that sacrificial love and sacrificial submission of saying, here's my ideas, my opinions, my thoughts. And then being with a man who can respect those Mm -hmm. and then make a decision and letting him make that decision. You are still an empowering woman by empowering your man. You don't like that whole movement is kind of narcissistic in my opinion, because it just is flopped to the other person. And if it's on the man and he's fully taking authority and leadership, that's wrong. And if it's flopped over to the woman and she's taking full authority and leadership, that's wrong. You both have to mutually listen to the other in order to make 
your marriage work. And Mm -hmm. so I love that you talked about that because it is such an important topic for women to understand that they have a voice, they need to be able to be heard, but also not doing it to a point where they're taking control of every situation. Yeah, really allowing your man to lead and Mm -hmm. allowing him to fail when needed and to because if you do start to take that leadership role it's going to be easy for the man to just like passively sit back and allow you to lead and ultimately that's not what you truly desire you want a man that can lead you and that can lead you in all areas of course he's not going to be perfect but you do have to kind of take that step back and allow him to lead and go into prayer, girlfriend. You get go into yeah, prayer. Very hard. <laughs> because that has been, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you. Like as the protector, whenever you said that initially, it made me automatically think of and defender, it made me automatically think of prayer, being mm-hmm. that prayer warrior, because prayer is where things happen. Yeah, we can try to do it, it our own will and our own might but it's literally whenever you let and allow God to tackle things because he'll do it so much better <laughs> I'll have to tell myself I'm like okay God can do this so much better than I can like stop just let yeah. it go <laughs> well and God's also like if you're married God's called that man to be a spiritual leader mm-hmm. so I have to remind myself that he's equipped Christian to be that leader And so me taking charge is actually not allowing him to step into that role and step into that place and not allowing God to lead him. And it's very difficult for me because I'm a very natural born leader. And so it's hard for me to take that step back. I'm still growing through that. But I think just understanding that God's equipping them and that when I'm praying to God, like my prayers are heard, he's going to work with Christian, like he's going to deal with him good or bad, whatever that looks like in any situation. And I think too, what you said was so valuable, like allowing them to make mistakes. I don't think people realize how important that is in marriage, being okay with making mistakes, and especially your spouse making mistakes, because they're going to go after things that are going to fail. And so are we. And so not saying, oh, you're a bad leader because one time you failed. And now I have to take charge because you're not trusting or whatever, but allowing them to make those mistakes and saying, I still got your back. You're going to do better next time. You're learning, you're growing just like we are, you know, and just moving forward like that, I think is going to set people up for a lot more success in marriage. Yes. A hundred percent. Oh, wow. We've talked about so many. I think this, I'm just like, I could talk about this for all day. I felt like it's oh, me so too. <laughs> and it's so important. And I honestly, my only other friend that I talked to about this, she's been married for many more years than me, but I haven't really sat down and had this type of conversation before. And it's, it's so good because you can blatantly see the twist that Satan has put on marriage and just like roles as a woman and man. And it's, I can just testify because I've been on that that side and mm. I can testify that it's so much better over here on this side. It's not perfect. It is. But no. I, I, I really vision like I'm thinking, you know, 20 years down the road, if we're both continuing to try our best and to submit to the Lord and to submit to one another, to love one another sacrificially, I can just imagine the woman that I will be in 20 years mm. because it's really making me more like Jesus and same for him, the man that he's going to be. And so- That's so beautiful too. I love what you just said. Oh my goodness. That gave me chills. Yes. (laughs) I mean, and that's like, that's so huge too, is I think a lot of people, especially in the secular world who get married, there's no glue holding that marriage Mm. together, ultimately outside of physical attraction. Mm. And that sounds really like cold of me, but God designed marriage. And whether you believe in God or not, that is just the truth. He designed it. And so ultimately, he's going to be the one to be able to make it work. You can try to have all these partnerships, have all these marriages that you want, but it's not 
it's not going to be a fulfillment or like the way it was supposed to be designed. And I think oftentimes us as Christians follow society and we follow Mm -hmm. culture. And so seeing how culture leads marriage is really not where we should be looking because they have it so twisted and God has it so beautifully and perfect. And so that's, that's the glue. Like you said, in 20 years, when you're still together, just being able to see what kind of people you are, that it's strengthening you and growing you and those values. And it's ultimately going to keep your marriage together because you have Christ to focus on versus other people. When someone becomes more attractive to you, (laughs) you don't have those values to base it off of that foundation. Mm -hmm. It makes you feel safe too, in a way, I guess we can wrap with this last question. Like, it makes you feel safe to know that your man is following God <laughs> because I yeah. trust God, right? <laughs> I can trust. And I know like I can trust the Lord. And I have some people struggle with that, but in some instances when, cause I, I definitely struggled with trust a lot. And I think one thing that's so big that I really appreciate with Jamar is he never took advantage of that. And he knew like what I walked through and mm-hmm. I could come to him with my insecurities and he would make me feel so safe and he'll make me like reassure me and give me the things that I need in that moment. Again, that communication of sharing where you're at and what you need and having a partner that will accept you for who you are. And then also like exactly what Jesus says. He says, I see where you are, but I'm not going to leave you there. Like, let me speak you up. Let me heal you. And having a partner that will do that, it changes the game truly because, oh my gosh, it makes you a better woman. And it, it, does. it makes you feel so safe when you have a man that loves the Lord and that surrendered to the Lord. Yeah. And what you just said there too, like, if you think about all these things we've been talking about this whole podcast, and then being a Christian and being okay with being with a non-Christian, if you were to compare those differences, because I know people who are like, it's not really that big of a deal. And I'm like, well, first of all, the Bible just says no. <laughs> so like, that's not even debatable. <laughs> but but if you want to look outside of that, all these factors we've discussed, what is even keeping you, like you said, together? There's no safety. There's no security. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, who's going to lead? What is that even going to look like? I think people fail to even think about the future r- ramifications of like mm-hmm. children. What are you going to do then? And so, yeah, I just have been thinking about all these things we've been talking about and just just even more so just drilling in the importance of if you're a Christian woman, do not seek after a guy who's not a Christian or doesn't even believe the same way you do and have the biblical principles. Know what you believe and get with someone who knows what they believe too so that you can really have a strong foundation going into marriage. Yeah, that foundation is is everything. I've said it, Jamar and I both, like if neither of us followed the Lord, we probably wouldn't even be together anymore. Like we probably never would have even gotten married. I'm trying to think of an even bigger word than important. It's like the thing that that's gotta happen. It's vital. It's like, it, yeah. I mean, if <laughs> the biggest were- word you could think of, it's that. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what's gonna get you through the hardest days of marriage too. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna keep you, that humility aspect, all of those things. Without it, you're- you're screwed. I'm sorry. Truly. I, I've seen people do it, but it's not normally an enjoyable marriage, a Christian and non-Christian at least. So it's, yeah, it's crucial. Yeah. And the last thing that just came to me is who knows your purpose? Your creator knows your purpose. And how mm-hmm. is the man that you decide to marry or the woman that you decide to marry, how are they going to speak into your purpose if they aren't themselves getting their purpose from the Lord and being able to hear from the Lord and being able to see what God sees in you? So it, it's even it's bigger than just having a healthy marriage. It's your purpose here on earth, what God created you for. If you choose to be with a man that's not going to help you run your race here on earth, you're not going to end up fulfilled. 
You're not going to oh, end yeah. up being the woman that you were created to be. It's like that game where you have one leg tied to the other person and you're trying to run to the finish line. If you're tied to someone who's who's in line with like where you need to go and also in line with where they need to go, like you're going to get to that finish line. You're going to both fulfill that purpose, hopefully that God has placed on you. But if you're tied to someone who has no idea and is not willing to encourage you, you're just going to get pulled back. Like you're not even going to make it. Mm. You know, like marriage really is like that. You either have someone who's going to empower you and encourage you in your walk, or you have someone who's just going to hold you back. And that sounds awful, but like, it's true. true. You know, they're going to hold you back if they're not following Christ and lead your purpose. Like you said. Yes. Emma, this is so good. This (laughs) This has been awesome. I love it. I know. Like we may even need to have like a part two or something, but um, yeah. Where can the listeners find you? Cause I know you're a relationship coach and if they want to just to see more of you, where can they find you? Yeah. So of course my Instagram is coach Emma Jarbo, J-A-R-B-O-E. Outside of that, I have Facebook, same thing, Emma Jarbo. And I'm still working on like website and all of those things, but those are the two places that they can reach out to me, look at my content, all of those things. Awesome. Well, if you guys are needing support, wanting a relationship coach, Emma's your girl. I mean, she's so rooted and (laughs) she's going to tell you how it is and she's going to be that person to encourage you and to challenge your your perspective and to just walk with you. So totally reach out to her. But Emma, this is so amazing. Thank you so much for hopping on. I love this so much. Yes, I've been really enjoying this. This is awesome. (laughs) All right, let's bring it in. Giving you a virtual hug because you just finished another episode of Blackouts to Breakthroughs podcast. And you know what? You just deserve it. The reviews and subscriptions mean a lot to me. So if you love today's episode, make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any other episodes. Also, I'd love to hear your takeaways. So feel free to screenshot this episode, put it in your stories and tag me at Blackouts to Breakthroughs on Instagram with your biggest takeaways so I can can connect with you and reshare your post. I can't wait to hear from you until next time, friend.